Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to Holy Soup, where we engage in fearless conversation, sometimes about seemingly taboo subjects. I've gotten into some of that also when screening the documentary that I directed called When God Left the Building. And by the way, that's now available on DVD or video on demand. Now, that film profiles churches across the country that are experiencing, well, some, some really threatening trends, like overall church decline. We found that 80%, 80% of churches in America are stuck or in decline. Now, almost every denomination, whether evangelical or mainline, is experiencing year-over-year losses in attendance and membership and uh, many other categories of, of numbers that you might want to keep track of. Now, as we see in the documentary, some churches have become just paralyzed in the face of these trends. They've chosen to do nothing different. One church in the film saw their attendance drop from 900 to about 30. But other churches have dared to try some new approaches to fulfill their, their mission in their communities. The film profiles some church members in Pennsylvania who dreamed of starting an outreach, get this, in, in a local pub. Now, that idea caused more than a little consternation, as you might imagine, in their, in their conservative church. We got to watch what happened as that drama unfolded. Now, that people are watching this film in in churches across the country, people are talking about it, and and we're seeing more stories emerge as people rethink what it means to be the church in these rapidly changing times. One of these pioneers is Leon Bloder. He's my guest today. He's senior pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Eustis, Florida, outside of Orlando. Welcome, Leon. It's great to be here, Tom. Great to have you. Now, you saw the film, When God Left the Building, and uh, you also arranged a, a special screening for all the churches in your in your area. Why did you do that? Well, we uh, we actually screened it at my church uh, first, uh, just for our church members, elders, and our staff. Then we widened that for a second screening uh, to our local neighborhood churches, and uh, some of those churches came as well. And so the idea c- came to me at that time that I really wanted to do some kind of screening of the movie to all of the churches in what is called my presbytery. I'm a Presbyterian, and so uh, we organize um, the Central Florida area. There's about 70-some-odd churches that are in our presbytery, many of whom are in decline, uh, that have uh, fewer than 100 members in, in some cases. Uh, and so we wanted to screen the movie to, to that entire group. And so that's where it began. And why? What, what were you hoping to achieve or, or get out of that experience for those churches to see this film? Well, I think that, you know, first and foremost in our mind was, you know, we we wanted to uh, give these churches an opportunity to see what could be done. And and, and, and so that's the hopeful part of it. But also, I think, to recognize sort of where they are um, in in some cases, you know, because that's the first, you know, step to uh, admitting that there's a problem or or to solving a problem is to Mm. admitting you have one. And, uh, and so we wanted to, to show the film and uh, have those churches get an opportunity and those church leaders uh, to see this is where we are. This is the reality of what's happening to us. But it doesn't have to be the mm. story that, uh, that defines us, that we could do something else. Yeah, it's not too late. It isn't too late. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you've seen significant decline in uh, your own denomination. Absolutely. Among many other denominations. But how, how are you seeing most people reacting in your church body to this decline? In, in my particular tribe, um, they, they spend a lot of time, I think, you know, thinking about uh, what needs to happen uh, in order to reach the emerging generations. Um, there's a lot of hand-wringing and, and that kind of thing that goes on in our denominational meetings about the lack of involvement of younger people, people who are unchurched, uh, those kinds of things. Um, I think that the difficult bit is doing things differently. You know, the, the idea is we will lose our identity if we begin to change. Um, we'll lose what made us who we were. You know, we, we are Presbyterian, or we are Lutheran, we are Baptist, whatever that identity is. And in my case, of course, Presbyterian. We're going to lose that historic trait or traits that make us who we are if we begin to change. Um, and so a lot of times I think that's it's a fear um, that pervades, you know, a culture within a church. Um, the church that I serve now was actually in serious decline. It had had about 900 members back in uh, the uh, early 80s. Uh, but by the time I got there, there was only probably a couple of hundred people that mm-hmm. were involved. Um, and so it had had decline over the years. And, and they were, you know, they were very concerned about losing who they were if they decided to change and to do the things that needed to be done in order to reach people that weren't being reached. Are, are you saying that uh, you're sensing that people are willing to continue to see the decline, willing to shrink, and maybe even willing to die so long as they don't give up this, this heritage, this history, this tradition of who they've been as a church? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I think that a lot of times what I've seen in the past, and as I've talked to um, to you know, church leaders and some of the churches that I'm, you know, that are in my presbytery that are part of my my denomination, um, you know, they are they they believe so strongly that as long if just if everybody knew how nice we were, if everybody knew uh, about what we do, they would want to come here. They're living off of that old Christendom model where you know everybody went to church and uh, you know it's just it's a destination, um, that kind of thing. And, and so they, they continue to, to operate with that mentality. Um, and, you know, they don't quite see, I, I think, that things do need to be different and, and they need to change in order to reach those people that they're wanting to reach. Kind of reminds me of the uh, Back to Church Sunday campaigns that you see happen uh, at least annually nowadays where the, the mentality seems to be among many in the church that if people will just come back and see, they'll remember how good it was and, and they'll want to be, become involved. And the trouble is that most people, kind of, I think what you're alluding to, most people, when they come back, they see, well, no, uh, it's it's not any different from what I remember. And maybe some of those things that I'm seeing are the same things that drove me away in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've said this to my congregation before about, um, especially about millennial generation, which apparently... Uh, seem to be the topic of some discussion within the church lately. Uh, the 18 to 35-year-old folks that, um, you know, the, the spiritual nuns and so forth. But one of the things I told my congregation in a sermon, I actually, um, after we, we screened the movie, mm. um, uh, I said the reason why they, they don't go to church is because they've been to one. Ah, wow, that's you know. convicting. Yeah. You've, uh, you've chosen in, uh, in your church not to become paralyzed. 
uh, the title of this film, When God, when God Left the Building, is, is a kind of a double entendre. There, there's more than one meaning to the title of that film. And, and we like to think it's a good thing when God leaves the building. Uh, because that means that he's invited into everyday life outside the building, outside of uh, Sunday morning. When God leaves the building is good news, actually. And the film depicts um, a church that wants to start an outreach in a local pub. Now, you've done something similar. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, well, our director of our Life Tree, our, we, we have a Life Tree Cafe. Um, which we've had for, for several years. Uh, it's been part of our congregation um, and part of what we do as, a, as an outreach. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, what is Life Tree Cafe? Life Tree Cafe is an hour-long conversation cafe um, that takes place uh, each, we have it each week, um, and each week there's a different topic um, that uh, addresses issues that a lot of times you can't talk about in church. And it's been a tremendous tool for us because uh, we have a lot of folks that really do not want to come to church, mm -hmm. they, but they will come to Life Tree. Um, and then it also gives us uh, a space to be able to have those really difficult conversations that are that are hard to to have in other places within the church. So it's been a huge blessing to us and a blessing to me personally. Mm -hmm. um, but our, our director, uh, Pastor Jay Crouch, um, he came to me with this with this idea. Um, and uh, of starting a live tree or planting a live tree cafe in our local uh, wine bar. There's a local wine and craft beer bistro uh, that is in downtown Eustis, which is which is not much of a downtown, but we have a little downtown. And there was this uh, this bistro there. And so the, the idea was, what if we were to plant a live tree cafe there? What would it look like? What would we do? Would that even be possible? And uh and then, you know, to go ahead and, and make that jump and to decide to do that as a church, uh, to plant that Life Tree Cafe and that outreach ministry uh, in, in a wine bar. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, you had been doing uh, Life Tree Cafe within your own church building for some time. Absolutely. And then this idea came up to try it uh, off-site in a wine bar. Now, I, I got to imagine that um, you had some pushback from somebody maybe in your congregation about that whole idea of launching a ministry in a bar. What, what was the reaction? It, it was really interesting because, um, well, when I, I decided that when I was going to make the announcement to the congregation, I was just going to make it sound like that was, that was just what you did. <laughs> you know, that this was a matter of fact thing. We are doing this. And Confidence. Uh, Yes, I, I was just going to be as confident as I could be. Um, we did have some folks that were that were concerned about it, um, and you know, of course, when you make announcements like that, and we had the full support of our our session, our elders, mm -hmm. um, we call them a session or elder board at our church, um, and we had the full support of, of that elder board. We went and and explained what we were trying to do, um, and you know, described this is what we need to do if we're going to reach who no one else is reaching. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to do what no one else is doing. Mm. And no one else around us was mm. doing that. Uh, and so uh, we partnered with this, uh, this wine bar. The first Monday that we, we, we went on a Monday night, we said, which is the slowest night of the week for you? Uh, and so we went on that night and uh, we, we set up and uh, started, started the whole thing. And they were not prepared. <laughs> they didn't expect so many people to is show up. Right? Yeah. Mm. And so they had to hire an extra cook. 
Um, and uh, that that so that that started the whole process for us. But yeah, we did have some pushback from folks who came to me privately, um, and um, and even some folks who were kind of concerned. And I, I heard uh, that they were you know that they were concerned about the fact that we were out there at a wine bar, uh, that our church would do something like that. What um, did you say to them? Well, I told them first of all, I said, where do you think Jesus went? You know, um, uh-huh. when you hear the stories of where Jesus went and hung out with people, um, you know, he went to weddings. I mean, the first his first miracle was turning water into wine. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I, I said, we need to go and be in the community. We need to have a presence in our community. And this is, you know, a great way to do that. Um, now, we're Presbyterian, so we don't have quite, you know, some of the, the prohibitions within our tradition when it comes to, uh, to alcohol. Um, so that wasn't there. It wasn't a, you know, a, an argument over biblical, mm-hmm. you know, interpretation. It was more or less the witness. Uh, you know, they were, people were concerned about the witness and what that might look like. Um, but I think once they've experienced it and we invited them to come and to be a part of it uh, and to see what we were doing, and some of those people did, and uh, in, all the other people that uh, might have said anything, uh, have since seen the fruit of that, and it's just become what we do now. I mean, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Well, what is the fruit? What have you seen happen there? Describe for us what, uh, uh, what's happened since you've been doing it now for, for some time. What have you seen in terms of the kinds of people who show up and, and the uh, reactions that you get and the involvement of the people? What have you seen? Yeah, there almost every single time that uh, we gather for Life Tree there at the at the wine, at the bistro, um, there are regular customers. So we have one whole side of of the restaurant, um, and and we meet there and we have our program. And there's you know of course we have a presenter. There's a video. There's interaction. There's questions. And so a lot of times there'll be people who are who come that night to eat. Uh, and they're always intrigued, and some of them even have come over and have participated. Uh, there's sometimes people at the bar <laughs> that will come and participate. There's a regular guy that that comes and occasionally, um, you know, he he comes in and he has lots of interesting things to say, uh, and uh, you know. But again, th- there's there's no way that this guy uh, is going to come to church. So we brought church to him in a way, I mean, but not church as you would ever understand church. This is very interactive, um, you know, very welcoming, open to people's conversations, their ideas. Um, It's a safe place for people to have discussions and to have fellowship and to break bread. I mean, it's really very early church. I mean, that's what the early church was about. Uh, And so it's, it's been a huge blessing, I think, to our community and Quite frankly, the people who own the restaurant, it's been a tremendous witness to them. Mm. Uh, they have been overwhelmed by what they have experienced. It's helped their business grow uh, because a lot of the people that come, um, they go back, uh, you know, during the week. They bring their friends, uh, you know, to come and eat there. And and so and just recently, their equipment was not very good. And so we were thinking about that. And so our church decided let's go ahead and buy them a you know a, a monitor a big monitor a 55 inch tv or something like that it was pretty large and and let's let's get them a really nice one and uh, and we'll we'll just make that a gift to them hmm. you know no strings attached hmm. just for the use of the you know the place and and the owner uh, she she wept you know she was so hmm. overwhelmed by that gift but it's been it's been amazing to see the influence that it's had and so those people go out and they talk about these things to the community and and that's just been amazing so. You know, one of the things you haven't mentioned that uh, often comes up 
in questions from pastors who are considering something like this is uh, they'll they'll wonder well how many people who might come to this outreach in your case at a at a wine bar how many of those people are finding their way back into your church and sitting in the pews on sunday morning thinking that's that's the real payoff yeah the 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 roi the return on investment <laughs> um, those are always the big questions that you get when you're trying to start new ideas or new ministries um, there's always somebody in the room or, or some bodies that want to know well what is this going to benefit the church how are we going to yeah. see people in the pews um, that's something, honestly, we never thought about it. Really? Um, we never thought about it. I, I, I guess maybe that was me as far as my, my, my leadership. I, I've stated early on um, in this process to our session and to our elders, we can't be concerned about adding to our number. Um, you know, that can't be the thing that you're, that's motivating you because the moment that you do that, the moment you make that your motivation, then you become inauthentic. And any shot you might have had at maybe getting those people to come and be part of a faith community, you just lost mm. because they will know, they'll instinctively know that you want them there or you're there doing that because you're trying to, to, to get them to come and be part of your church. The interesting thing is that it happens anyway. Mm. You know, so it's, it's almost like, if you give up what you desire, mm. you get what you desire um, in a lot of ways. And so that's been our experience uh, with this. It's never been part of our conversation, I guess, because I made sure that we said that early mm. on. Um, may have uh, kind of an opposite uh, effect, too, that if you were to uh, approach these people, in your case, in, in the wine bar, and be really uh, obvious and... and uh, kind of bait and switch with these people of, of, of somehow conveying the idea to them that, well, what we're really after is to get you into our church, that that might actually repel them. Oh, abs- absolutely. Um, I absolutely think that that would be the case. Um, and, and this is, you know, when I was a kid um, in the, the church tradition that I grew up in, we went door-to-door witnessing you know, so I would wear my short sleeve dress shirt, brill creamed hair, <laughs> and uh, I'm a little I'm a little older, you know, but I I uh, would have my clip on tie, my huge Bible, and I I was astounded that <laughs> no one listened to me. But I, but we would go door to door, you know, and there was a time perhaps in 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 our culture when those kind of things might have been effective, you know, to to go out and do that kind of stuff. But I think this is a much better way if if to fr- kind of reframe that. Um, if you want to witness to people, if you want to reach people, um, these are the ways that you do that. You build relationships, you have conversation, um, you, you demonstrate to them that you are authentic and real and that you care about them and that you you want to invite them into the conversation that you're having about some of these really tough topics uh, that we experience in Life True Cafe. So, uh, it, it sounds sort of like uh, what you're saying is uh, rather than an emphasis on come to church, your emphasis with your people is be the church. Absolutely, I yeah, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't put it any better. I I preach on our vision quite a bit, and and our vision uh, is to know Jesus and show Jesus. That's pretty. That's a simplified version of our vision as a church. And you know, I, I tell them all the time. I tell our congregation, uh, you know, the church is not a destination. It's a people. You know, it's not where you go. It's who you are. And we are the church wherever we go. And you know, so. We need to be the church out in the community, not just within the four walls or however many walls are in your sanctuary. So, now I know this example of the uh, outreach, the Life Tree Cafe in the in the wine bar, is not the only example of how you guys are out in the community. 
Tell me about uh, what else you're doing to reach your community. Yeah, we have a weekly community meal that we, we feed about 300 people every week. Um, and uh, we also prepare probably 150 to 200 sack lunches donated uh, to us by local businesses and uh, 7-Elevens and, and things like that. Uh, so we do that every week. We have a closed closet every week, a ministry to at-risk kids in our neighborhood. Um, we, do, uh, we partner with a local elementary school uh, to do tutoring. Um, gosh, we have a ministry that gives... A respite to uh, families with children of special needs. So we take care of their kids. Some of the kids have uh, pretty severe special needs, um, and we take care of them. We have a program for that uh, to give them respite once a month. Um, the list goes on and on. Mm. You know, yeah, I mean, that last one I've I've uh, been around when you guys have been doing buddy that. break. Yeah, buddy break. Yeah, that yeah. that is such a cool program. How you give uh, you call it respite to the parents and caregivers who are just 24/7 with with special needs kids who who need so much attention and they get uh, so little time to get a break. That that's what you offer, is it not? Absolutely. Um, for several hours, we give them an, uh, an opportunity just to rest. We had one mom early on in our program. We first started it that she had two autistic sons who basically didn't sleep. Between the two of them, she was getting no sleep. And so we took care of her kids. She, she actually went to her car in the parking lot and slept in the mm. car for the entire time. <laughs> so those are the kinds of stories that we hear and experience. So just a tremendous you know, way that we've been able to reach out into our community and, uh, and do a lot of ministry to be the church outside of the walls. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, being the church outside the walls, what impact has that had on your members, on your, on your volunteers? It's amazing. Uh, we, we actually just did this. It, it absolutely blew me away. We did a study, and we're not quite done doing all the little sort of the, the, uh, the calculations of all of our data, but just a rough estimate of the percentage of our church members. And we have almost 700 members. It's not a, not a huge congregation, but uh, fairly large by Presbyterian standards. But uh, out of all of those members, over 90% of them are involved in mission or ministry. Wow. It's, it's incredible. And it was just part of our, our DNA. Um, you know, it's part of, kind of part of who we are. Yeah. So that, that's, that's been an amazing discovery for us mm. uh, that what we were preaching and teaching and encouraging, it's actually happening. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's had a huge impact on our members. They, um, they feel like they're part of something that's bigger than they are. They realize that, you know, that their faith is a personal thing. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of what I grew up on was the, you know, the Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior uh, was sort of a phrase that we mm. used a lot. Um, but, you know, there's, there's something else to being a Christian, you know, that's mm. not just about my relationship with God. It's about my relationship with others. Uh, and to be able to see the world the way God sees it. That's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. And so that's something that we do with our church members is the know Jesus and show Jesus. You have to have a relationship, but that relationship needs to, to be able to be expressed somehow mm. rather than just personal piety. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, pretty cool. Well, I, I, th I, we know that one of the reasons that uh, so many people have walked away from the church today is uh, that they, they sense that uh, church as we know it today has become simply a spectator activity. Absolutely. Where they come and sit and watch the professionals on stage do yep. ministry. And what I'm hearing from you is uh, that you've figured out how to turn that on its head and your people are fully engaged and participating in ministry themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're still learning. 
I mean, you know, we, we don't always get it right. And, uh, you know, we, we work hard at, at trying to keep that at, at the forefront of everything that we do. Does everything fit under that umbrella, the vision that we've cast, that we believe that God has called us to do? Um, and so we don't always get it right, but yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's at the forefront of everything that we, we attempt to do in mm-hmm. our community and around the world, too. Well, as you look around and, and you see churches not only in your area but uh, around the country struggle and, and shrink, and as you look forward, where do you find hope for the church? You know, I find it in a lot of places. I, you know, something is going on in, in the church as a whole. The laity are getting more and more involved in, in leadership and, um, and not just wanting to sit back and sort of watch, uh, to have the whole thing performed for them, even on Sunday mornings. Mm. Um, you know, it's something that we're discovering, that the more we get our people involved in the sermons, the more we get them involved in the worship services, uh, where they're doing things, where they're interacting, um, they, they retain more, they, they get engaged more. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that give me hope. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I don't get upset when people say, oh, the church is dying. I'm like, well, you know, maybe it needs to. You know, maybe, maybe some of this stuff needs to die. Um, and because what, what do we know about death and the scriptures? Well, death is followed by what? <laughs> Resurrection. Hmm. So something else is going to be born, I think, that gives me great hope. That's encouraging. Well, your church is involved in the community in so many different ways, meeting needs, being really being the hands and feet of, of Christ. And and I think you're seeing God leave the building every day. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. That's a good thing. Well, for our listeners, uh, you can find out more about uh, Lifetree Cafe that Leon talked about. You can uh, go to lifetreecafe.com and uh, get uh, information there about that ministry. And also the film, When God Left the Building. Uh, you can go to the website that has the same title, whengodlefthebuilding.com, and uh, find out more information on that film and, and ways that you can bring that to your church and uh, help to start the conversation on uh, where things are today, some things that we need to realize and wake up to around us, and then what is the way forward? Where is God leading us? And one thing that uh, I like to say about that conversation is that uh, there is no magic bullet. There's no single prescription for uh, all churches. What uh, what I believe you'll discover is that what's uh, right and good for your congregation is going to be different from the the church down the road. And that's good. I I think that's part of God's plan is that uh, we each have a unique role to play. Well, thanks, Leon, for being with us. Thank you, Tom. It was an honor. And thank you all for joining us on the Holy Soup podcast. And by the way, subscribe today to uh, Holy Soup podcast and never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.